Yesterday we changed our clocks and tomorrow we change our government. It's midterm week and God willing, a red wave is coming. It's the week we've been waiting for since November of 2020, midterms. Tomorrow, we not only start the red wave, we take a whack at some unfinished 2020 business and set the stage to finish it in 2024. The polls are tightening faster than you can say Botox, and the races around the nation twist and turn, so do the undies of Democrats from coast to coast who know damn good and well retribution is coming, and it's coming to the ballot box. For the first time since July, 538 polling indicates Republicans have over a 50% chance of Senate takeover and hold a 1.3-point advantage over Democrats on the generic congressional ballot. But it's not just the high-stakes congressional races. The red wave is rising for state and local races as well. Those razor-thin margins in purple states like Arizona, Georgia, and Pennsylvania, brought to us in part by pandemic-era voting policies, well, we're coming to take back those with vengeance. And for the first time since the late 90s, we might even take New York, yes, New York, of all places. It's about to get real interesting this week, and the Democrats know it. That's why they're attempting to pull anything and everything out of an old and empty bag of tricks. And speaking of old and empty bags, here are the ladies of The View doing their best to convince white women to vote Democrat by insulting white women. Take a listen. I read a, a poll just yesterday that white Republican suburban women are now going to vote Republican. Why? It's almost like roaches voting for raid, right? It's, I, it's I think like that's they're that's voting, no, it's they're voting against, voter. We, they're we, voting no, against no. their own self-interest. Do they want to live in Gilead? So according to those ladies, and I use that term loosely, not only are conservative white women to be excluded from the feminist movement, labeled inherently racist and suggested to be under the control of our husbands, now we're roaches too. Folks, the left is panicking. They put Dementia Joe in office to do their dirty work, expected do-nothing Kamala to make up for it, and all they have to show for it is a steaming pile of Trump derangement syndrome and a stream of liberal tears. Tomorrow night, there will not only be a total lunar eclipse, a blood moon, but a red wave so powerful it'll knock these liberals and their BS down a peg or 20 because peacefully, patriotically, and at the ballot box, we're coming for it all. But still ahead, Congressman Jim Jordan predicts Republicans will sweep swing states, and he joins me next. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. 
So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. So listen, I don't like to count chickens before they hatch, but let's go ahead and start adding up the number of investigations that should and could be launched if Republicans do indeed deliver the electoral shellacking we're all hoping for tomorrow. FBI, DOJ, Hunter Biden, Dr. Fauci, hell, maybe even the big guy. And my next guest says that is all on the table. Joining me now is ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, Congressman Jim Jordan. Oh, Congressman, it's such an important week and I'm so happy to have you. Good to be with you, Tommy. Thanks for all the good work you do and standing up for the values and principles that make our country the best country ever. Hey, well, I appreciate everything that you do. And I got to tell you, I have so many people that are telling me, hey, he needs to be our president one day. At, yeah. at the very least, we need you to, to stay in Congress for us and keep fighting because you are certainly one of my favorites. This is an important week, though. And I know that we got to get through tomorrow and we got to get through Wednesday and Thursday while they're still counting, of course. Uh, but I want to know, if Republicans do get these majorities that we're hoping for, are we going to have some investigations? And should we have some investigations? And if so, who's first? Uh, the answer to all that is yes. Uh, and those investigations should be done in an aggressive fashion. Um, I mean, we're committed to doing that because part of our part of our constitutional duty, when we take the oath of office, assuming we win, we take the oath of office. Part of our duty is to do oversight, to do the investigation so the country, so we the people get the facts and get the truth. And we're committed to doing that, as I said, in as aggressive a fashion as we can, but also in a way that's consistent with the Constitution. And that's exactly what we plan to do. We released a thousand page report last Friday detailing and highlighting all the politics that are now present in our in our Justice Department. And I said this last week, but I, I said it because I believe it. Uh, you don't have this great country, the greatest country ever. You really don't have America if you have a Justice Department that treats people differently under the law. It is supposed to be equal treatment under the law. That is not what we have currently. So that is, I think, the most important investigation we need to do. All the all the politics at the Justice Department. Also, of course, we need to look into what, what's happening at Department of Homeland Security, where we went from a secure border to no border in 21 months. And then, of course, as you point out, there's, there's questions surrounding the whole Hunter Biden story, and particularly the relationship between the government and big media and big tech just two years ago when they 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 throttled back that story on social media platforms just weeks before we elect the president of the United States. So that's something that needs to be examined as well. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because it feels like just as a constituent, if you will, we sit back and we watch these big tech wardens. We, we watch them testify over and over and over again. We have the emails. We know that they were working to censor a lot of COVID information, all stuff that we know. And it feels like we have all these hearings and we have all these revelations, but then nothing ever happens. How yeah. hard is it to actually hold big tech accountable? Finally, I mean, now we've got Elon Musk with Twitter, cautiously optimistic there, but there's still a lot of areas here where people like me were heavily censored for talking about COVID and vaccines and other things. And we want to know, when is this going to get straightened out? And when will big tech finally be held accountable? Is it even possible? Yeah, yeah I think it is. And we, we we owe it to the American people because I think it's in, in a, a roundabout way, a, a, uh, an assault on the First Amendment. The left no longer 
the, the left no longer believes in the First Amendment. The left basically says, if you don't agree with them, you're not allowed to speak. And if you try, they're going to call you racist. They're going to call you extremist. They're going to call you names and they're going to try to cancel you. And big tech helps them and big media helps them. And in some cases, big government helps them. And they all collude to go after people like Tommy Lahren and, and other conservatives. So this is a this is a huge concern. And in particularly what happened in on October 19th, 2020, just a few days before the most important election we have, election for president of the United States, 51 former Intel officials signed a letter that said the Hunter Biden uh, story has all the earmarks of being Russian disinformation. Now, we know that was we, we thought it was baloney at the time. We certainly now know it was total baloney. But they did that. And that became the basis for throttling back and suppressing that story and keeping it from the American people, as I said, just just a few days before the most important election we have in this country. So I want to know who those 51 former intel officials were talking to. Did they did they get information from the FBI? Was it from the CIA? Was it from people in our government? Because if that if that's the game that's being played, that is not supposed to happen. And I thought my my colleague Matt Gates had a great point in committee a few weeks ago. He said, "When is the FBI not going to get involved in one of our elections?" In right. 2016, they spied on President Trump's campaign. In 2018, it was the Mueller report. In 2020, they suppressed the Hunter Biden story. And in 2022, 91 days before this election, they raided the home of a former president. Maybe it'd be nice if they just stayed out of it, let we the people decide who we want representing us, who we want leading us, instead of always trying to get in the middle of the game and influence the outcome. That's why it's so amazing with everything that goes against us, if we still manage to have big victories tomorrow, that's a lot. That says a lot about the silent majority that's getting a little bit louder. But I want to ask you about our president. How nervous do you think he is, not only about losing majorities and having to actually work with Republicans for the first time in his administration, but how worried do you think he is of some of these investigations? You know, I mentioned the big guy. We're talking about Hunter Biden. I don't care what he's doing with his drugs and his strippers and his prostitutes. I don't care about his personal life, but I want to know what's going on and, and what he did and how involved was the president. Do you think that Joe Biden is concerned if we have Republican majorities, that there's going to be an actual investigation into all of that that could implicate maybe him? Well, I did think it was interesting uh, that, that the reaction from the press last uh, last Friday when we unveiled our thousand page report from House Judiciary uh, Republicans because it got big coverage in the press. But The Washington Post went after it. And you know, you know how this 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 works. Whenever the mainstream liberal press is attacking you, you must be doing something right. So I, I thought that was an interesting reaction we got last Friday. Uh, you know, we'll see. I know my colleague, Congressman Comer, who will be the top Republican on the Oversight Committee if we take the majority, I know he's committed to digging into this and getting to the bottom, especially those, as you point out, those 150 suspicious activity reports. Now, this is, most Americans never get any, but this is the Treasury Department saying certain transactions, banking transactions, they're very concerned about. So he's got 150 on Hunter Biden. And I know uh, Congressman Comer wants to look into that. And of course, I want to look into what I just described, this, this relationship between those 51 former intel officials, who they were talking to with the government, how that was all put together when that letter came out, because that became the pretext for the whole suppression of the story. So I think those are the two biggest angles we look at um, in, in a Hunter Biden investigation. And that, I think, will be, be headquartered and run primarily out of the Oversight Committee, which Congressman Comer looks to chair. 
We're all so excited to see that. While I have you, too, I have a couple of other questions that I've been wanting to ask you for a while now. Uh, I think that Republicans right now, especially those that maybe are voting Republican for the first time because of what a dismal job the Democrats have done, they're looking at a lot of things that concern them. Of course, crime in the streets, economy being number one. They're looking at our yep. southern border. A, a lot of things that they're concerned about. But another thing that, that I'm hearing from people that are considering voting Republican for the first time and they want to know, how much more money are we going to send to Ukraine? Because there are yeah. a lot of Republicans that still want to send, a, you know, an open-ended check to Ukraine. And I think a lot of Americans, as they're struggling at their own kitchen table, are wondering how many more billions we're going to send over. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I've, I've said now for several weeks, um, I think this this election has always been about what I call four-plus freedom. Um, and, and, and the four key issues are we went from a secure border to no border. We went from safe streets to record crime. We went from $2 gas to $4 and $5 gas. And we went from stable prices to record inflation, all in 21 months. I mean, it, it literally it took less than two years for the Democrats running all the federal government to to, you know, put that on the American people and 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 screw everything up. And then, in addition to that, it's what they're doing to our freedoms, our First Amendment rights, our Second Amendment rights, due process rights. How they've weaponized the the, the government against us, specifically the Justice Department, which is what our report was about last week. And then finally, it's it's this issue of. Uh, you know, how much more uh, of, of American tax dollars are we going to be sending to Ukraine when we need those European countries to step up and help out uh, like like the American taxpayer has has been doing? I voted against the last big spending, uh, like like a lot of my Freedom Caucus colleagues and a lot of Republicans. I just I just felt like that's billions and billions of more dollars we were sending there. So I think this is something, as Leader McCarthy has indicated, we're going to take a hard look at. Uh, we want you, you know, we support Ukraine. What Russia has done is wrong. We understand that. But at the same time, there is, uh, I, I think we need to be advocating and talking to our European allies and saying, you guys need to be putting this bill along with the American taxpayers, just not all on uh, we, the people of this great country. Yeah, especially as our border is being overrun. I think that's a big concern. I don't think it's it's got enough attention. Boy, what startles me is it, it feels like Fox News and Bill Malusian are the only ones covering yeah. what is going on yeah. at our southern border. This is a big concern. Even if you are yeah. the, the most immigrant-loving person, when you look at the numbers that are coming in, and now you look at the numbers coming in, not just from South and Central America, but from all over the world who have gotten word that now is the time is that going to be a priority? Because a lot of us are flashing back to when Trump was elected in 2016 and then the two years when yeah. even Republicans were a little timid to do what they needed to do to secure the border. Is that going to be a priority? No, it, it definitely is. And, and you're right, Tommy. This is intentional. This is deliberate. It's premeditated. This is part of a plan the Democrats and the left have. They have taken a secure border to literally no border. And worse yet, when Secretary Mayorkas was in front of our committee several months ago, I asked him a simple question. I mean, this, this, this is just how bad this guy is. I asked him a simple question. At the time, it was reported that only uh, then only 42 individuals who had come across our, our, our uh, border as illegal uh, immigrants were on the terrorist watch list. Now it's up, I think it's up to like 90 some. So, but that at the, at the time it was only 40, 42. And I asked him, I said, Secretary Mayorkas, what's the status of those 42 individuals who tried to enter our country as illegal immigrants and, and have been apprehended, um, what's their status? They're on the terrorist watch list. And you may remember his answer. His answer was, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, what? You're the Secretary of Homeland Security in front of the committee with primary jurisdiction over immigration policy in the United States Congress in front of the Judiciary Committee. And your answer is, I don't know. 
dude, you're supposed to know that. Uh, so th this is how bad it's gotten. And then what he, when he misled the country about those two border agents riding the horses and, and saying that they were involved in whipping migrants when that was not the case and he knew it. I mean, th this guy is bad, has done a terrible job, but it's part of the left and the left, the, the, literally the left no, doesn't want a border. Remember when Hillary Clinton said six years ago in the presidential campaign, we want a borderless hemisphere. They meant it. We should have taken them at their word. So yeah, this has got to be a focus of ours. Unfortunately, I don't think we can fix it until we get a Republican back in the White House. And I hope that Republican is President Trump. All right. That's my last question for you, because there's been a lot of murmurs that we're going to get an announcement coming very soon after the midterms that Trump is indeed running in 2024. I think a lot of people are very excited about that. There is a big appetite to see some unfinished business get resolved in 2024. But I have to ask you looking forward. I think we all remember back in 2015 and 2016 when all those Republicans were on stage fighting it out. No one thought Donald Trump was going to do as well as he did. Of course, we know how that turned out. But I think a lot of us that are Trump supporters, that are also Ron DeSantis supporters, we're looking at the race right now. We're already seeing it getting a little bit more tense. I know Ron DeSantis has said, you know, he has not said anything about running. He's not giving anything away. He's not giving us anything to go off of. His priority right now is Florida. But I have to ask you, over the weekend, we know that you know DeSantis has Trump's endorsement for governor, but over the weekend, our former president did give him a little nickname, and I, as a supporter of both Trump and Ron DeSantis, was a little bothered by that. What's your take on it? Are things about to get gnarly? Well, look, I, I, look, I, I thought President Trump was the best president we've ever had. He did more of what he said than, than any president, certainly in my lifetime, and he did it with everyone in that town against him. I mean, every Democrat was against him. Everyone in the mainstream press was against him. Half the Republicans were against him, it seemed like at times. And all the bureaucracy, which is maybe the worst, were, were against him as well. And in spite of that, he did more of what he said he would do for our country than any president, certainly, like I said, in our, in our lifetime. So uh, I, I'm a, I'm, I support President Trump. I want him to run again. I, I, that's who I want to be our next president. Uh, Ron DeSantis is also a friend. Ron DeSantis, nine of us formed the Freedom Caucus uh, seven years ago now, I guess. Wow. Um, and Ron was one of those original nine. And he has done, as you said, an outstanding job as governor of one of our largest states. So I appreciate the work he's done there. But in a presidential race, I'm for Mr. Uh, I'm for President Trump. All righty. Well, maybe next week we'll have an announcement. I know a lot of people are anxiously awaiting that. Thank you so much for spending so much time with us on this busy week and for all that you do. It does not go unnoticed even here in Tennessee. So we certainly appreciate it. And uh, here's to a giant, giant red wave. I think it's happening. And uh, I appreciate all you do for, for the conservative cause. We need good people like you out there fighting the good fight. So thank you so much. And it's been a pleasure to be on your show. Uh, thank you so much. God bless you. And uh, let's have some victory parties this weekend. That's right. Take care. All right. Up next, let's keep this election extravaganza going. Florida Congressman Byron Donald joins me next. So my next guest is not only a rising star in the Republican Party, not only a warrior for the America First movement, he's ready to take the elephant by the tusk, so to speak, and is running to be the chair of the House GOP conference in the next Congress. Joining me now is Florida Congressman Byron Donalds. Thank you so much for being with me, as always, Congressman. This is a very, very exciting week for us. Carlos, it's a big week, but it's great to be with you, Tommy. 
So you said something in a previous interview that I thought was really important, and I hope that your colleagues, especially on the right side of the aisle, are listening up. It's not enough just to take a majority. We also have to do something with that majority. You know, God willing, we're able to actually grasp that. So what do you think is going to be a top priority if, knock on wood, we do sweep as much as we think we're going to sweep tomorrow? Well, the weird part in our country right now that there really is no top priority, like everything is important and everything is important today. Obviously, prices have gone through the roof. They're crushing families. Energy independence used to be a thing in our United States. We've lost it because of terrible energy policy and this Green New Deal. They stuck through the back door and Inflation Reduction Act. We have the Department of Justice calling parents domestic terrorists. We have a homeland security that's suppressing free speech through the back door with social media companies and media companies. And then you talk about, talk about all the issues associated with foreign policy. And we haven't even gotten to the southern border. Look, I'm having to catch my breath just to get to the southern border. There's so many issues facing our country. Republicans have to be active. That is why if we're successful tomorrow night, we're going to get a majority is because the American people have had enough. So we have to secure our border. We have to get all this reckless spending out of the federal uh, budget so that inflation can actually calm down. We have to make sure that we're doing everything we can to make sure energy is plentiful in these United States and stop following these Green New Deal uh, crazy policies, which are actually going to hurt poor families, hurt seniors on fixed incomes, and, and then continue down that line. And the investigations must ensue. Joe Biden and his administration must be held accountable. We cannot have any of these things continue in the United States. All of that sounds good. You know, it's a, a large workload. But I got to tell you, I remember the 2010 midterms, which was a huge referendum on the Barack Obama administration. And I remember those Tea Party Republicans came in and they got to work and they made some big changes. And Barack Obama really did have to back off of some of his radical agenda. You know, he still managed to to do a lot of damage to our country, but he had to back off a little bit. But then I also remember in 2016 when Donald Trump was elected and a lot of Republicans came in the door with him too. And then they sat there for two years as Trump had to battle to do things like secure our border. So I'm optimistic, but I also think it's important for Republicans to be critical of other Republicans and make sure that they actually do something. Do you think that that appetite with your colleagues is there? I think the appetite is there. Now it's just going to become, are we going to demonstrate the will? I think the will is there, but are we going to demonstrate it? And that's that's going to be everything. Listen, Joe Biden, unfortunately for all of us, still sits at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Are we going to get everything that we want? Not likely. But should we ask and push and work hard for the things that are going to fix the America? We most definitely should. This is very different from Barack Obama. At least Barack Obama was coherent and can make an argument. Joe Biden cannot. So we should not be concerned about what the politics are going to dictate or what the New York Times is going to say or what the Washington Post is going to think. We should draw Joe Biden into these political discussions so we can actually get the American people to see the difference between the radical left and conservative policies that are put that put America first. That's a, that's what I think the job is for House Republicans in the next Congress. You know, Hillary Clinton has been very vocal. She's always vocal because she just refuses to go away. But she said on more than one occasion, you know, as recently as about a week ago, that Republicans are already planning to steal the election uh, or to deny the election. She said both as she was actively denying an election that hadn't even happened yet. 
What do you think about the strategy of some of these Democrats, especially these far-left big names like the Hillary Clintons out there that are already demonizing Republicans, mega-Republicans, and we haven't even made it to Tuesday yet? Are you talking about the same lady that paid for a fake, phony dossier, which led to one of the greatest witch hunts in American history? Yeah. I don't really listen to Hillary and what she has to say because she lost and she's still mad about that. But look, the reality is the Democrats are trying to now set the new narrative for what the politics are going to be post-election. But the reality is they have failed the American people. Independents look like they're breaking our way. You have Democrats who are either not showing up because they're disgusted or saying, you know what, I might as well give these Republicans a chance because it can't get much worse than this. So my attitude for my colleagues is, is very, very simple. We have to be very clear about what we're going to do. We have to be on offense about what we're going to do. We should never shy away from those arguments about what we're going to do. Because what Hillary and Joe and Nancy, what they want to do has been a complete and utter disaster for the country. What do you think the Democrats are going to say on Wednesday morning? You know, they're already saying that the votes won't be counted by then. But what do you think Democrats will say if, in fact, Wednesday, Thursday morning, it comes back that they really suffered some big losses? Are they going to own up to it and say, you know what, our policies didn't work? Or what do you think they're going to try to pull to explain the losses we expect them to have? I would hope that they would see the reality and say, man, we really messed this thing up. Uh, maybe we should like re reverse course some, change some of these policies. Let's tack to the middle. I would hope that's what they're going to do, but I doubt that's going to happen. I think what they're going to do is they're going to dig their heels in. Uh, the ones who lose typically are going to be those more moderate, whoever they might be. Democrats that, that exist, they're probably going to be the ones who are going to lose. The more radical ones, unfortunately, they're in those heavy, heavy, heavy blue districts, and they're going to think that they didn't go far enough. And that's actually what went wrong. And so, you know, I think it's going to be very sad to see how this is going to take place. But my focus right now is on Republicans and America. For America, it's let's get to work and get the job done because people really are struggling. For Republicans, the message is very clear. Just because we might win and win big Tuesday night doesn't mean that people are loving us it means they're sick to death of what the Democrats have done. It is the job for Republicans to have an agenda, to lay out that agenda, to explain that agenda, and to get to work on behalf of the American people. I agree wholeheartedly. And then we look to after midterms as well. I mean, things are already getting set up for 2024. It's hard not to look there because we all want to see that White House change. But I have to ask you a question because I'm a big Trump supporter. I'm a big Trump fan. I'm also a big fan of Ron DeSantis. So I have to ask you this because you're one of the first people I thought of when this happened over the weekend. When Donald Trump, you know, he gave Ron DeSantis that little nickname at that rally, called him Ron DeSantimonious. It bothered me. I want to know what your take on it was. Was it just playful fun? Was it going too far? What did you think when you heard it? Uh, honestly, I thought it was probably more of a playful jab from President Trump. I think he was kind of throwing one out there to kind of see what was going to happen. Uh, yet last night in Miami, yesterday afternoon in Miami, I was there. Uh, he endorsed Ron DeSantis for governor, and I'm glad that he did that. I mean, look, those two gentlemen, uh, frankly, are really key leaders in our party. Tr President Trump, we already know what he means to the party. Um, and Ron DeSantis has been America's governor. I think those I think they're going to figure it out between themselves and then we're going to move on and get the country back on track. But I mean, listen, everybody should know this. Donald Trump is not afraid of mixing it up. He is not afraid of that. He's going to engage. He's going to commit. 
Um, I, obviously, I think we're going to see an announcement here maybe in a week or so. And so every Republican who's thinking about that office, they better be prepared for what they're going to deal with. Uh, don't think that 2016 Trump has gone away. Uh, the man has been consistent. He is who he is. Everybody knows it. Yeah, I still remember back to those good old debates when he took on, what, 14, 15 of them at once? <laughs> I hope we don't go there because I hope that it's much cleaner this time. You know, I love a good debate, but I, I do hope that the two of them, you know, whether they both run, one of them runs, I just hope that those two, because of what they mean to this party, I hope that they have, you know, a, a little bit of camaraderie and they still have that because Americans love them, Republicans love them so much. But Congressman, thank you so much. I hope to talk to you next time hearing about all the wonderful things you guys are already starting to work on. And I appreciate you taking time on this busy week. Of course, always great to be with you, Tommy. Thanks so much. Last but not least, I've got some words of wisdom, advice, warning, and what I hope will be inspiration heading into tomorrow. My final thoughts are next. Tomorrow is the day. We can't take it lightly and we can't take one single vote for granted. We've got too much to lose, to lose. Get hyped. It's time for final thoughts. It's the week we've been patiently and painstakingly waiting for since November of 2020, midterm elections. The ultimate referendum on the sleepy, communist, anti-freedom, anti-American agenda put forth by this sham branded administration and damn near every Democrat under it, top to bottom. I know a lot of you have been discouraged these last couple of years, wondering if your vote even makes a difference, wondering if the machine is too powerful and the system too jerry-rigged to get it right. And I get it. I get your frustration. 2020 was a kick in the gut and a stab in the back. We had a lot of things working against us, against freedom, against everything we stand for. Plandemic fear porn propaganda mixed with the already timid nature of many in the silent majority screwed us. We also got far too comfortable sitting back and letting Trump do the hard work. We rested on our laurels and then we got kicked in them. And that was our fault. That was a wake-up call. Inflation at a 40-year high, gas prices high, and only kept at a manageable level because our reserves have dwindled. Also, these rat Democrats can pat themselves on the back like they've really improved something. Now, thanks to their policies, many Americans learned to rely on the government. They got lazy, dependent, and used to mailbox money, and now they don't want to show up for or work at all. Businesses who battled everything to stay operational, now cash and employees strapped, fighting regulation after regulation and having to explain to their customers, who were also struggling, why they had to raise prices and cut services. And meanwhile, this administration and members of Congress send billions of your money to Ukraine to defend their border, while ours has been overrun by millions and counting. Students who fell behind and stayed there thanks to COVID policies driven not by science, but by the all-powerful teachers' unions with their iron death grip on the Democrat Party. Your streets and sidewalks, once set ablaze by mostly peaceful protesters, but continue to be as dangerous as ever as Democrat politicians and activist DAs coddle thugs and felons to fund police departments and then turn right around out of that same two-faced, crooked mouth and tell you your Second Amendment right is up for interpretation. Are you pissed yet or do you not have a pulse? Well, tomorrow you get to do something about it. You get to send a message to these Democrats, these tyrants, these woke liberals that you, your values, your morals, your rights, and your country is not to be trifled with any longer. 
And we're going to do it not by storming a capital, not by setting fire to the streets or to anything else. No, we're going to do it by voting and voting once, legally and ideally in person. Because we've got some unfinished business, all right, and tomorrow we start to finish it. Peacefully, lawfully, patriotically, and proudly, let's take this country back and, by goodness, let's save it. Those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.